Sip and Listen, the podcast meant to inspire, challenge, and empower collaboration while taking actions that matter. With your hosts, beauty maker Christina Wirtz, recruiting genius Jennifer Rojas, and lover of all things marketing, Elisa Lane. (sighs) Look at this one, honey. What? And the mortgage. Bad credit taking its toll on your finances, your relationship, on your dreams. Don't let the financial system own you. Take ownership over your financial hardships and turn them into positives. Elite Credit and Financial, part of the Rios Financial Group in Phoenix, is your key to maneuvering the difficult process of getting your good credit back and getting the funding you need to make your dreams come true. Don't settle for a discharge bankruptcy, child support claims, student loans and queries, or other negative items on your credit report. With their proprietary system, Credit Plus, Elite Credit and Financial will take you from credit issues to credit success. Remember, Rios Financial Group, when you need a partner in progress. Elite Credit and Financial is a subsidiary of Rios Financial Group, LLC, located in Mesa, Arizona. All credit plus and loans are subject to lender requirements and loan values are based on improved credit scores. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, how are you? Well, thanks. Yeah, so big news. Very exciting to have being partnering with uh, the Rios Financial Group and Elite Financial, so... So grateful to to have them. They were on the show last week. Mm-hmm. That was just awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for our partnership, collaborating with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a great group, they, and they do quite so much for individuals and businesses as I knock over the clock. So <laughs> super cool. Yeah. So how are you this morning? Doing great. Good. I'm excited to step into February as we wrapped up our January with our yeah. theme of collaboration. We're now onto relationships. relationships. Yeah, and it's like the whole span of it—the whole business relationships, intimate friendships, and just everything. So we do actually have a special guest today. We have Miss Polly Anna. Hello, glad to be here today. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. So, let's see. So, how long? So you're polyamorous. I Tell am. us a little bit about yourself and yeah. what is that? Yeah, so I'm polyamorous and it's under the umbrella of ethical non-monogamy. Um, and so there's uh, actually several sex subcultures that I belong to that I started exploring right after my divorce um, about three, four years ago. And I, you know, I grew up from a really conservative Christian family, so it was a huge departure for me. It was pretty scary. But now I'm so openly glad to be um, kind of an out there, you know, sexually free person. So polyamory, um, kind of a simple way of describing it is, is having plural love. So dating more than one person, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I'm really, um, I'm really, the, w- the way I kind of describe it simply, though, is my heart was designed to love more than one person at, at once. And so after years and um, years of just trying to make monogamy work and, and getting to a point in a relationship where it was a perfectly fine relationship, there was nothing wrong with it, it wasn't broken, but just something did, just didn't feel quite right. Something was missing. Um, so as I was packing up, for uh, after my divorce as we were moving out of the house I caught this show on Showtime called Polyamory Married and Dating um, and discovered what polyamory was and it just really just intrigued me I felt called to it so I kept learning and learning more um, and eventually was able to date both a man and a woman at once and fulfill the experience of falling in love for more than one, one person at once and that really confirmed for me who I was yeah yeah that's fascinating yeah, yeah. did you um so So many questions right (laughs) that's what i usually get i know how does this work so when you say um love more than one person not Mm -hmm. just from a sense of a love with your heart but you're talking from a physical standpoint that that being intimate with more than one person 
feels like it resonates more with you than not. Right, that very much so. So one of my kind of fantasies I always suggested to my boyfriends and even my husband over the years um, that just never quite happened until I was on my own was, hey, can we try like a threesome? Um, so I just was always kind of drawn to that. And and so since then, I've experienced what uh, it's called plural play. So that's where you're uh, intimate with more than one person at once. And it definitely is something that I also crave and desire. So um, when I'm polyamorously dating people, they might not necessarily be connected with one another. So it might be one-on-one. Or they might also be connected with one another in romance as well, or maybe even just casually. And so plural play will happen in that in that instance as well. Can I ask? Okay. Yeah, ask away. <laughs> Christina, when she's with me, no, when Christina's with me, she's like, I, I, I have my questions. So um, sometimes you'll be dating two people. Mm-hmm. That's and right. but they always know about. I mean, th- this is something that do they always know? And and but so sometimes, but sometimes they're cool. Like just like go ahead, have a separate relationship. I want our relationship to be this, but I understand you have another one. Yeah, it's it's a very individual. It depends on on who I'm connected with, whether or not. I mean, they might just be dating me. Um, but it, there's always always awareness. Um, otherwise, that's cheating, right? Um, so when I first started dating somebody, I you know just like you tell someone um, what your favorite foods are, you know, uh, just kind of the unique things that make you you. Um, I definitely fill them in on on that that makes me uniquely me, and that's kind of part of the deal with me. Um, so what what it's called in 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 polyamory when I'm telling people about it and giving them advice is I really uh, impress upon them communication transparency. Um, so that's making everyone aware of the process um, of how you're connected with other people uh, throughout your experience. It's really very important it, it, to keep everyone that you're involved with in your life included on where your heart goes mm-hmm. if your heart's connected with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, yeah. And, oh, sorry. No, no, you please, can tell another question. Right yeah. And how does that, I mean, the dynamic, I can imagine, so that full transparency is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the dynamic, how does it, do you find that, can you tell when somebody says they're okay with it, but not really? Like, I mean, or do you just let it play out the way it's going to play out? And if it becomes an issue... Oh, so that's so that brings me to like a relationship hierarchy conversations need to happen, um, and those happen um, at the beginning of a relationship in, in a polyamorous relationship, and even kind of monogamy can take a cue from this. Of you know, what are our rules and our boundaries? How are we feeling about things? Mm-hmm. Does this really fit for the for us? And that's not definitely not a one time conversation. It's something we mm-hmm. talk about over time. So when things like jealousy pop up, or or maybe our partner's not feeling quite comfortable, um, and certainly when we sense it in mm-hmm. them, which we can kind of in like the little cues. Of body language and how how we say things to each other just knowing someone we can kind of pick up on those things Mm -hmm. Um, we bring up relationship hierarchy conversations and we really talk about it Um, because it's really important anyone that we were looking out for each other's hearts and making sure that we're all feeling right and sometimes it's a matter of reworking the amount of time you spend with the other partner Mm -hmm. or spend time with that partner or adding something a little special you do with them or maybe it's a matter of of creating new boundaries and and kind of redefining how everyone in the relationship is connected Mm -hmm. and everyone has a say in that so even if I'm dating person A and person B and they're not dating each other, how I interact with person uh, B is going to affect how person A feels, mm-hmm. how, I, how I have a connection with that person A in my life. Um, so it really matters what each person's opinion of the entire dynamic is, of what their heart's feeling. Um, so staying in tune to that is, is essential all, the whole time throughout the relationship. So it does, definitely does evolve. There's a lot of potential for relationship evolution, which for me is um, one of my favorite parts about polyamory is, is, is um, I, you know, we all grow individually mm-hmm. over time and certainly will grow collectively. Um, so having that potential for evolution is definitely present in polyamory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like you'd have to, it almost seems uh, it would create, I'm sure, not always, but 
almost healthier relationships to some degree because it sounds like you have to stay so actively engaged in the relationship that you, it's hard to go on autopilot because there's so much going on. So that's quite interesting. Right. Well, that's actually, I, it's very interesting you bring that up. I feel that way too. Um, I think it's, it's when we're in monog- the monogamous relationship construct, which there's not, I think, I think monogamy is a great relationship mm-hmm. format. Um, you know, if it's right for you, it, mm-hmm. and there's certainly that's true for some people. But I think it's really easy to kind of sweep things under the rug, looking back in my past monogamous ex- experiences, and kind of ignoring issues. But you really cannot do that in polyamory. Y'all will break up real mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you re- there's really, um, in, in most uh, polyamorous relationships, or at least the ones that are successful, there's excellent communication. Mm-hmm. Everyone's really in tune with how each other is feeling because you kind of have to be. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, otherwise, you just will not survive. It will not work. Mm-hmm. So do you find <clears throat> that you just seek to date already polyamorous people or do you find monogamous people and try to like share polyamory with them if they have an interest? Like, what do you see yourself doing mostly? Well, I'm open to all possibilities. Um, if I'm being on the polyamorous community isn't isn't as as out there. I mean, I'm out in polyamorous, but not everyone is. It's I mean, I've I've got laid got laid off of a job because it was discovered that I was dating a man and a woman at the same time, and that was against the Christian ethics of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, and, and certainly there's family members of mine who have you know have very harsh opinions, and that's been um, difficult at times for me. Um, so it's not easy to be out in polyamorous. So not many people are. So it's kind of almost hard to find like a high volume of, you know, there's not like a Tinder for polyamorous people that I'm aware of here. <laughs> Business um, model. Right? Yeah. Hey, let's, hey, maybe Tinder can take a, take a cue from that. Um, but yeah, so, so it's, so I, I would say most of my dating experiences have just been me being open with people about, and meeting them naturally um, about being polyamorous and, and them finding an interest in me and an interest in it and, and going from there. A couple that I'm dating right now um, are, have never been polyamorous, um, but the wife of the couple met me and we really connected and we've been dating for a while now. Um, and it's been going great. And so that just kind of was just talking about it openly, um, them learning a little bit more, having a connection, and then growing to it and giving it a try. Mm-hmm. I think I'm so happy to hear that you say that you're out like in polyamory because I think the more that we talk about these kinds of things, it can actually allow people to explore them more. And while they might not even think that that's possible or on the table for them, if they meet someone like you who's just so open and transparent about it, they and can normal. be like, okay, yeah, <laughs> but like, let me try this on. Like, let's see if this is for me. And otherwise, if nobody talks about it, then nobody has that opportunity. So true. I mean, there's so many stigmas with um, with polyamory, well, with lots of sex subcultures really like it. Um, and so that's why there's a risk is because it's not yet socially acceptable. Um, so, of course, um, it, it is a risk for me to be out there and for who, those who have come out. Um, to do so and I'm not saying that it's 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 good or bad to be out or not it's a personal choice you know no one should come out of the closet (laughs) polyamory closet um, until they're ready until they're called to Um, but the more education we have which is why I'm so grateful that you have me on your show today um, and the more so the more exposure the more um, people become aware and see it less as taboo and more as normal the more the stigmas will go away Mm -hmm. and it'll be less of a risk for everybody It's interesting because as soon as that conversation gets opened up, like once people start learning about polyamory or swinging, the more people you realize who actually have that. I was talking to a girl the other day. She's, I want to say she's like maybe 20. And somehow polyamory got brought into the conversation. And she was like, yeah, my parents are polyamorous. Like I grew up in a household Mm -hmm. where I had four parents. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
that's insane. Like, I had no idea. She's just this normal girl that I've known for months, and all of a sudden I find out her parents were polyamorous. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happened this past weekend. I found out this other kid's parents were polyamorous. That's so great. Well, that's one of the one of the um, complaints I see in documentaries. Um, I'm a documentary nut, so I, <laughs> I listen to podcasts, I watch documentaries, I audiobooks, all that stuff. Um, and whenever they have a psychologist, you know, saying, oh, polyamory is bad, usually the, one of their arguments is it's terrible for children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bad for the family unit. And that, and that I completely disagree agree with. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if anything, you've got more healthy influences. As long as you're bringing healthy people into your life, which we should all effort to, to do, um, and I certainly feel like I do, um, then there's there's no risk of, of anything but, but good. There's just more love on top of love. Yeah. And also, the parents are setting the example for their children that even though you're a little out there and different, um, if, you're, if you're being yourself as you're called to from within and you're treating yourself well with value and others with value, um, then it just gives them a good example so that they can be more free to bravely consider who they are as they are called to from within them. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great example. For sure. Mm-hmm. Anything for you, Jennifer? No, <laughs> I, I see like your brain turning. questions. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to like, oh, how do I add? Um, We're no. going to have to make this show five hours. I know. <laughs> oh, like, um, uh, I was sitting here thinking, so like, I guess I was thinking... You know, I guess the, that pretense. I was trying to. I was trying to think where does that where does monogamy come from? So that idea that we're socialized to only be with one person, which in some ways I don't. You know, I it does not necessarily. Like that's an interesting thing, right? Mm-hmm. In itself, that 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 pretext or that context. So where where did that come from? And you know, why now is that? Why is polyamory more of a deviant? When you talk about stigma, so you mm-hmm. know. Um, so yeah, I guess that's what I was kind of thinking. Yeah. Is how did that all evolve? Like, when did we become mm-hmm. monogamous? And then, well, when you when you look at historically um, in a historical context, there's a lot of deviations that happened mm-hmm. over time mm-hmm. from from monogamy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that within the last what hundreds and thousands of years, it's just kind of been collectively the most um, socially accepted thing. I mean, like a polygamy. Um, you know, that's um, that's non-monogamy, <laughs> having a bunch of wives. Um, and certainly there's, I think, like ancient, you know, um, ancient times where it was socially acceptable to have um, somebody on, you know, on the side. I, mean, I can't even think of the official, like, a term mm-hmm. for it. Um, certainly for kings, that was acceptable mm-hmm. to have um, people Ca- on the court, um, courtesans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, there's this there's this really new concept. There's this um, couple out, um, out of Louisiana who I've been um, collaborating, I'm going to be collaborating with, who do this podcast. They're polyamorous, but they um, are of the mindset, and this is um, kind of a branch within polyamory, of relationship anarchy. So when you bring up the constructs of, okay, what has rela- have relationships uh, historically been? Relationship anarchy says, we're going to completely ignore that. And we're going to form relationships just from scratch as if we're inventing it for the first time. Um, and so people are really thinking about things that way. They're thinking about their sexuality and not even labeling it bisexual, pansexual, but in more fluid ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're thinking about relationships in more fluid ways and gender in more fluid ways. Mm-hmm. And, and saying, okay, we're not just going to go off of these constructs and make something new that already exists. We're going to completely start something from scratch here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that thought, especially with Generation Z, um, I think that's the new term for the new generation that, that they've labeled um, that they're settling with. Uh, so it's just really this really open thought. And I think that's so exciting mm-hmm. to not only um, to not only kind of convert what we already have, but to just completely start a new start from scratch and mm-hmm. see what we come up with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That brings me to my next question for you. Like you're not just polyamorous. 
you have coined, maybe you coined it, maybe you heard <laughs> it, the term polyswing. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Yeah, I kind of threw it. To, I like I like wordsmithing and playing around with words and really dorky ways sometimes. <laughs> um, so I I am so I'm I'm both attracted to or I'm both drawn to being in plural format of relationship and then just plural play. So having um, intimacy with multiple partners within and of itself. Um, For me, it's uh, friendships first and then play can happen. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily need to lead to a relationship. So what that's traditionally been referred to um, is uh, swinging, right? The new kind of way of of terming it is the lifestyle. It sounds a lot more, you know, (laughs) the lifestyle. It's like an exclusive club kind of thing. Um, Yeah, so so that's uh, because I feel like I'm genuinely part of both communities. I, I want to, I, I, I like to say that I'm poly swing and put them together, especially because there seems to be historically a bit of polarization between the two communities, maybe at times being critical of each other when really they should, they have so much in common and they should, uh, they should come together. And um, so those are t- the two kind of main sex subcultures I belong to, but I'm also bisexual. So I'm sexually and romantically attracted to women and to men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the kinks and other fun stuff that I'm into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> too, yeah. So I think for you, being a bisexual woman monogamy just wouldn't work for you naturally because you would have to choose one gender or the other not necessarily there are bisexual uh, men and women that are monogamous uh, one that comes to mind here in Arizona is Kristen Cinema, um, who just got elected um, I think she's the first openly bisexual person to be elected mm-hmm. um, in the Senate um, so she is monogamous and bisexual and I can think of other examples um, yeah. too um, so but certainly you know there probably if I if I was monogamous I would have to say there would probably be that craving to also have <laughs> some mm-hmm. some some level of, of friendship or intimacy with women as well yeah for, for sure. sure and being polyamorous actually just frees you up to be able to explore that or even yeah. just being in the swinging community it frees you up to explore that as well absolutely those are my first uh, intimate interactions with women mm-hmm. was when I started um, meeting more open-minded people and exploring sex subcultures mm-hmm. yeah so when you first started out like being polyamorous or getting involved in the lifestyle like how did you feel were you nervous apprehensive oh my god yes (laughs) I was I was nervous Um, I know I like barely want to walk into a networking event (laughs) you know what I mean never mind I'm not even sure what that all would look like so go ahead right no good question Christina (laughs) well I'm with you I'm super I'm I'm one of the shyest people in the world um the fact that I've gotten comfortable enough to do my own podcast is beyond me I don't know how I got because I'm just I'm super shy but I was I was so excited because I'd wanted it for so long and I've been drawn to it for so long and just depressed it for years that for me um my excitement exceeded my nervousness Mm -hmm. and my want for it exceeded my apprehensions and so uh, so it was a mixture of a lot of feelings all at once uh, but mainly I was just so relieved to to finally start being around people where I didn't have to filter what I said Mm -hmm. and and hide what my inclinations were um, that I could that I could talk about these things that were on my mind that were so out there and that if I'd brought up to ex-boyfriends in the past I got all these harsh labels like oh you're a pervert you're a freak what's wrong with you um, all these years of thinking that there was something wrong with my brain that I was possessed by Satan <laughs> that that I was damned to hell or what have you um, were all gone and I could just be me and and discover and really feel find out and kind of feel for who that was Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, nervous for sure, but more excited and, and thrilled, I think. Did you have somebody that you connected with that kind of shepherded you or was it you just dove in, found a meetup and 
Yeah, well, I so I had um, had a mutual friend who told me about. So there's these websites. Um, so the one one here locally that's really popular is called Lifestyle Lounge, mm-hmm. and so I went on there just to kind of meet people. And I'd been kind of just chatting with people for months to get a feel for it mm-hmm. and get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I had met a man um, on there. It was almost as if it was a dating site. So we went on a few dates, and things started nice and slow, which is what I was comfortable with. I didn't want to move too fast. I really wanted it to be sincere. I wanted to make sure that I would was surrounding myself with good people. And so he and I dated for about six months, and he was already in the lifestyle for years as a single guy. Um, so he introduced me to a ton of people. Mm-hmm. So I got really lucky mm-hmm. um, that it, this dating experience um, was, and, and I, my girlfriend at the time was really, really um, uh, understanding and open and 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 supportive of me going down that path. Um, so that's kind of how I, I I started into it. So I was really lucky to to meet that way. But everyone I've met in the community has been so. Um, generous, like some of the best friends I've ever made. They know how it is. They know how hard it is. <laughs> and they're there to support you through everything in your life. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was really glad to see that. Yeah. What's the longest, uh, how does it, the like the longest relationship you've had or, and how does that, you know, I mean, I'm assuming it's just like any, any other relationship where it's when it, the time comes and it's like, this isn't for us anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, a, I mean, my exes are my exes for a reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I'm still relatively new. Um, I'd say about with dating polyamorously about four years in. So my longest relationship so far was eight months. And that was beautiful. It was, it was amazing. And then after that, it would be six months. So pretty long term, actually, yeah. now that I think about it. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been pretty lucky to meet some really incredible people. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Have you date? Go ahead, Christina. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> I was going to say, do you ever come across people who, like you say you're polyamorous, and I feel like polyamorous means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. So do you ever get people that are just like, oh, well, do you want to have an affair with me? Like my wife doesn't know or like any like creeps like that? I definitely do, um, especially when I was on, um, when, when I was still exploring the Tinderverse of dating, which I've since <laughs> since <laughs> left behind me. Um, yeah, I think that like, people hear polyamorous and they think things like, oh, well, they're okay with cheating. I've never cheated on anyone in my life and I never would. Um, and cheating is, is, is its own thing uh, for sure. Um, and I definitely have come across people that, um, that uh, you know, yeah, like, oh, my wife, yeah, she's okay with it. Um, but you haven't met the wife and you haven't talked to her. Um, and so what I always say is, is trust but verify. You've, you've got to check in with all partners. Um, so I'm very cautious of that because it is out there. And you want to make sure um, that you are, are talking to and connecting with everyone that's involved, including mm. someone's, some, someone's existing partner. It's mm-hmm. very, very important because even if you're not dating that person, they are still connected to you through that person. Um, and, and that has to be respected. Um, you have to make sure that the relationship hierarchy conversations include everyone, including that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody that brushes that aside, that's a huge uh, red flag to look out for, I would say, for sure. Yeah. So it sounds like you do recommend that like your partners know each other, meet each other, and like mm-hmm. if the wife is there, like actually meeting the wife too, like... Absolutely. I mean, I've met some polyamorous folks that that um, don't necessarily think that that nece- that always needs to happen. That they need to have a, at least a friendship connection uh, with the other partner. Um, but I I tend to disagree with that. I think that you need to have a rapport with them. You need to have a direct line of of communication uh, because they are affected. They are part of the pot, even if you're not in a relationship with them directly. Um, that your relationship is affected by them, and their relationship is affected by you. So they are in your loop, even if it's not a romantic or intimate connection mm-hmm. um, so again that goes back to that communication just mm-hmm. making sure that communication circle keeps going around and and, and doesn't ever stop 
keeps mm. is consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe um, like if I'm if I'm dating, let's say um, a man and a couple, and I'm not dating the wife or the girlfriend, um, then I would I would probably um, I I would require that she and I maybe have a regular meeting. Like we meet for coffee once a month and check mm-hmm. in and see how each other's doing, get updates, sort of thing. And if there's ever a question too, it's just so that line of communication is there. So if there's ever a question like, hey, this is happening, this feels a little different, and I want to check in with you and see how you feel about it. Those conversations really need to happen. Mm-hmm. It, it it helps it helps the entire relationship, every connection within it. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, um, because you hear those stories, uh, you know, where it starts as uh, everyone's on board and then somebody falls in love with, you know, and and you're like, oh, so I can't imagine like the communication and I guess, and again, what are you going to do? I mean, it is what it is, human dynamics, but. Yeah, I mean, we're all going to make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think to to project, to, you know, for me to say, sit here and say every polyamorous relationship I've ever had has gone perfectly well just because I understand the theory. Right. (laughs) Would be complete (laughs) and total lie. Um, Like, things will happen, like, you'll tell, and they'll seem innocent enough at the time, Mm -hmm. and you'll tell one person, um, oh, you know, this this little bit, but don't tell that person Mm -hmm. because I don't want to hurt their feelings, like the little white lies that happen. But those really build up Mm -hmm. to much bigger things. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, it's always, always better to check in, I think. And that's, I think, true for any relationship in your life. Just that, 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 that. And so that's where I think people can kind of learn from polyamory. Kind of the overkill that polyamory seems to have sometimes is really for a reason and a purpose. Keeping mm-hmm. everyone in the loop and, and honesty keeps, every, keeping, keeps everyone feeling respected mm-hmm. and keeps everyone really an integrated part of what's happening. Um, certainly even with your kids and your family, making your kids aware yeah. <laughs> of what's going on with, with the parents and the whole family is a great way to help them feel included mm-hmm. and help them feel aware and secure within those relationship dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, are you as an as an ally? Are you trying to? Is there some part of you that's also trying to create that movement and create that education and knowledge in the marketplace? Is something that you know you're doing for the community? Absolutely. I think that you know the more of us, I've been inspired by others, and that's kind of what got me started. Um, is is those, those voices out there that made me aware? Um, I remember what it feels like to be. Um, to, to be the black sheep of the family, mm-hmm. to feel like there's something wrong and broken within my brain and that I'll just never, I'll just have to fake it through my whole life and the pressure and the and how alone that felt. Um, and so, you know, putting putting myself out there on the show really connects a lot of those people. Those are a lot of the listeners I, I hear from in rural America or in these, in these kind of similar backgrounds that I have. Um, so them hearing a voice just saying that it's okay to be yourself, mm-hmm. it's, it's a healthy option, there's nothing wrong with you, mm-hmm. is so vital and important. And, and certainly um, people that listen in or that connect somehow with anything that I'm doing, um, that they're made more aware and maybe they, they leave those stigmas behind them, the stereotypes that they've been carrying with mm-hmm. them. Um, that's a great gift for the people in their life that they'll come across um, who are a little bit different, uh, maybe specifically polyamorous or mm-hmm. you know sexually free sort of thing um maybe their children will be that way mm-hmm. and and they'll come out to them like i did my parents mm-hmm. and they'll embrace them with understanding and with love and compassion compassion uh, maybe an employer will hear mm-hmm. um of a business and a person won't get laid off mm-hmm. um for for being a little bit different mm-hmm. them, uniquely themselves i think there's this it, the reason why there's there's just this it's not just not socially accepted because it's just not there hasn't been a lot out there it's getting to be more and more of people just talking about it making connections between communities and building those bridges um and and just making it a more welcoming place Mm -hmm. for people that are a little bit different yeah well control people like to tell us what we can and cannot do so Mm -hmm. that they can control us (laughs) um so that's great that um and then um 
you did you come out right away to people? I didn't. I I, I spent probably about a year. Um, a year being bisexual and polyamorous and then I came out as bisexual first um, and then just got within my own inner circle friends and family just like as it came up or and or came out to my parents and then a year later I came out as uh, bisexual openly like in a public post on Facebook um, and then polyamorous I haven't like done a public post, but I guess I'm doing public things now. <laughs> so, I'm like, well, the toothpaste is out of the tube. FYI. <laughs> guess what, guys? Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 it kind of just happened naturally over time. Um, I'd say about a year or so, and I just really felt called to it. Of, mm-hmm. of, I felt so much ownership, and I felt so much relief. I found my voice. Mm-hmm. I trusted it, and and I and I just felt like, you know, if, if, if you're not going to be okay with me, whoever you are in my life, for who I am, um, then I'd like to know, and mm. and 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 I and I and I'd like you to know that that I'm okay with being myself and you not being okay with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a very empowering it experience. Empowering. Yeah. Well, it sounds like risky, like coming out, right? And then like you got fired for that one time. What are some of the other risks that you see in polyamorous relationships? Well, this has come up in a forum recently, um, and this is something I, I I have experience with too. And I've just I've known a lot of people. Um, at, it's it's one of those things where uh, where family really reacts poorly to it sometimes, especially um, if there's reputation involved. Mm-hmm. So there's egos there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's um, you know, just the religious influence of if you're not you know of this certain um, path that that Christ calls you to. Um, um, and, and we think this is what that path is, um, then that must mean that you're a bad person that's mm-hmm. going to do other bad things. Um, so one thing that I've seen happen more, way more than I'd like to is um, parents getting reported to children's services because they're polyamorous, because they're swingers. Um, that mm-hmm. that must mean that they're going to harm their children. Wow. So that happens a lot, uh, unfortunately. Um, and if for anyone out there who is listening, who is in sex subculture, I want to reassure you <laughs> that your children will not be taken away for that. Um, these, these organizations have, have noticed an influx of these kinds of reports and for that reason. And they, um, they do have to respond to every report, but they, they will not take children away for that. So that's something that I hope um, if anyone's out there listening and <laughs> that applies to you, um, you have children and you're in these cultures, um, your kids will not be taken away. So mm-hmm. no worries. Um, and then certainly there's you know other social risks like maybe losing friends. Um, definitely something that I've experienced. I, mm-hmm. I um, had a lot of really wonderful friends um, from when I did community theater. Um, and some of them I just stopped hearing from. Hmm. Um, yeah, because they were maybe, maybe they just didn't, uh, didn't think I was, uh, straight and narrow like I used to be or used to seem to be. (laughs) Right. And that just didn't fit in their life anymore. What you were pretending to be, right? Right. What I, yep. Yeah. Not very well pretending to be, (laughs) (laughs) but pretending to be nonetheless. Yeah. 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 What else? What else for me? Do I get more questions? Yeah, you do. So (laughs) I know my questions all seem, I mean, they're pretty superficial just because I kind of, I'm just, I'm interested. Um, do you maintain relationships with people after you've been in uh, in a polyamorous relationship with them? I mean, does it tend to be pretty fluid? Like, I guess I just feel like you have such a deep level of understanding of each other. It feels like you that would create those connections that probably aren't as easy to break, even though you're not you're no, no longer dating. Yeah, absolutely. I would say for sure there's um, there's definitely some exes of mine that I've dated uh, plurally with them um, or dated plurally while dating them that I'm connected with in friendship. Um, so that, that definitely doesn't fade. It just evolves into friendship mm-hmm. um, from being more romantic. 
So that relationship evolution happens and mm-hmm. it's no longer a romantic connection. Um, sometimes blurring the lines like that. I think that though that, that's kind of true for monogamy too. If you stay mm-hmm. friends with somebody after you break up, <laughs> like, you know, maybe uh, maybe that'll kind of drag things on. So you cut being careful of that is probably mm-hmm. um, important there too. Um, but I would say it depends on the breakup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like how, how, how well did that breakup go? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's all the same. Right. <laughs> and then are you sometimes in relationships and also, um, so I guess I think of like polyamorous, if you're in multiple relationships with people you know, and then I think of swinging, I guess, is usually with maybe people you don't know as well or aren't like connected to. Yeah, it can be. There, so, there's some people in, in swinging in the lifestyle um, that move a little quicker. Mm. Um, that maybe, And sometimes people prefer that. They prefer to just have the in- intimate connection. We don't really know about what's going on in your life. Or mm. my, that's just their mm-hmm. comfort level. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that as long as everyone's consenting, being respectful, mm-hmm. and uh, still making sure that to know each other's rules um, and being safe and all that. Um, so that's you know a preference thing. That's not my preference. I'm a sapiosexual, so I need intellectual connection for mm. intimacy to happen. Um, so those that I connect with with swinging and the lifestyle um, are people that are friends first okay. for me and then play can happen. But no, not necessarily romance. Not people that I want romance with. Just, yeah. just that friendship and intimacy can happen. Um, but I've been in polyamorous closed. Um, so, it's, so if it's a closed pod, um, would that mean or closed um, relationship? Um, pod is a word that I've noticed some people don't like that. Like, we're not a pod. That sounds weird. Um, <laughs> I like pod. It makes sense to me. But um, it's all preference, I guess. Um, but if it's a closed pod, that means that the relationship just stays closed. So I, I wouldn't be swinging in that case. And I have been in that okay. kind of relationship in the past, for sure. Um, long term, I don't know if I would do that long term, actually, because that's just not really an expression of me. But never say never. I change over time. We all evolve over time. So typically when I'm dating polyamorously, um, it'll be there'll be a, a distinction that yes, this is my romantic relationship, but then I'm also um, free as long as I'm honest and transparent about it um, to still have those swinging experiences with friends. Mm-hmm. So I knew um, some people way back when who were together for like ten years at the time, and they were young, like maybe late twenties or so. And I found out that they were swingers and I noticed that they would go in like chunks of time. Like they would go to a lot of swingers parties and date couples for like six months. And then for nine months, they were monogamous with each other. And then they would swing for three months. And do you find that people take breaks and do and do stuff like that? Oh, yeah. I feel like I even take breaks, too. Like I get like um, social overload. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, I need to like pop pop. I think pauses are so healthy, especially. And it sounds like they've really developed a rhythm of of what their of what their cycle of taking pauses are and and getting back and checking back in with themselves. That sounds super healthy, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we all as we evolve and change over time sometimes it'll be phasal so it'll like you know we'll just have this certain phase where we'll be on for six months or maybe we'll take two trips so two trips a year i mean there's de- there's um destinations to go there's resorts all over the world mm-hmm. there's cruises um the lifestyle community internationally is really well connected and really great in social networking we kind of have to be to meet people and, <laughs> yeah. and add them to that circle um and then there's also um, communities locally like there's a pretty big community here in arizona and so there'll be, you know, smaller parties between friends or, or social gatherings throughout the year here. Um, so sometimes there'll be people that just go to that and then they'll they'll get they get it out of their system and, <laughs> and then they're good. Yeah. I was going to say, like, do people try it out and they're like, mm, no, I mean. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. For sure. Or, or they'll maybe grow out of it. Like, yeah, just to show up and be like, yeah, I want to try this out, but. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, there's a couple that I talked to pretty recently. Pretty welcoming commi- uh, com- uh, community, I imagine, then. Oh, absolutely. And also, there's no pressure. At least, I don't feel any pressure, for mm-hmm. sure. 
um, where nice. I'll go to social gatherings a lot of the times and nothing's going to happen. I'm just meeting with my friends and mm-hmm. we're just being social. Uh, not really in the mood that night, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and so, um, yeah, so that definitely happens. Um, but I, I've talked to a couple recently that they were in the lifestyle for, I think they said 15 years and that they've been taking like a 10-year break because they just they just were ready for a break and, and they're starting to get back into it. Um, like slowly maybe um, sort of thing. So it's just, it's not, I think that's really good to just pay attention to how you're feeling, how you're feeling as a couple, mm-hmm. what your needs are. Um, and that if you're focusing on swinging and that primary relationship should always be your focus because the swinging will always be there. You can always come back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no need to rush into it too fast. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, ice that's going to melt and then there's no more ice that's ever going to be there. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's always going to, it's always going to be something that you can, you can dive into. So I always definitely encourage people to just take your time. Mm-hmm. If you need a pause, if you need a break, or if you're sure you're not sure you might need one, then mm-hmm. take a break, take mm-hmm. a pause. So say there's a listener on today, and this is the very first time they've heard any of this, where would you direct them to like, if they were interested in learning more or getting started, what would you tell them to do? Uh, Get more about polyamory? Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so much out there. I mean, you can they can definitely check out my show so they can look at my website. um, And that and that's uh, sexploration with Poe dot wixsite.com backslash website little mouthful <laughs> we'll put that on yeah there. yeah they'll put in the show yeah the show notes um but yeah so so they can do that and like and i'm help, happy to help connections if anyone wants to reach out to me um but there's so many amazing blogs out there and with polyamory it's this really diverse community where there's so many perspectives there's so many different approaches to it so it's something that i actually ever since i first found out about it four years ago i've been just absorbing information um this whole time um so i would say definitely look for blogs for sure those uh, there's a lot of um, people that love sharing who they are um and then there's there's some podcasts out there too um those have been a little bit harder for me to find with polyamory um but those are just some really great ways to just you know just get on the internet do some research mm-hmm. um there's audiobooks too on polyamory polyamory over time sort of thing what are some of your favorite books on polyamory um gosh i can't remember off the top of my head i'll have to leave i'll put a list on my website um so that, that if anyone checks it out they there's can. one i know of the ethical oh, okay. slut have oh, you I haven't read that, read that one? one. No. Yeah. Somebody just suggested that to me recently. I've heard that one all over the place. So have I'm you? assuming it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you read it? Okay. Parts of it. Parts yeah. of it. I like okay. started it. I was going to pick your brain for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll talk after. Yeah, we will. We will. Okay. Um, so then what's the name of your podcast? My podcast is uh, Sexploration with Pollyanna, or you can just search with Pollyanna and then all the, all the shows will come up. Um, so it's available on iTunes. It's available on, um, I think, 11 platforms now. Um, so tune in. Um, Anchor is my main one where I record off of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what Spotify. are your what are your future plans as an ally to mm-hmm. expand this kind of movement? What are you going to do? Are you going to write a book or something? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be collaborating on a book coming up. And I have a couple that I'm going to start working on this year. Um, probably shorter things, just like polyamory 101, just the basics for people on an introductory level. I'm, I'm meeting a lot of people that are just starting out in polyamory. And so they just kind of want a, a basic understanding. So that's what I'm going to focus on first. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. Um, the book that I'm going to be working uh, with is going to be just about single women in sex subcultures. And because it's you have to have a really strong voice. There's just a lot of things to keep in mind there. So mm-hmm. so I'm like the single person collaborating on this book. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Now, is polyamory uh, a, a more common here? I mean, is this international? Are there a lot of other countries that where this is a, becoming more and more mainstream or... 
well, I haven't connected with anyone internationally yet, uh, but I'm Be sure curious. there are. Yeah, I'm sure it's got to be global at this point. I mean, if, if, if the lifestyle of swinging is international, then polyamory, I'm sure, is as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested. I, I never think about it. Like, I'm, Actually, I pro- there are probably cultures that it's <laughs> way more mainstream because they're not, not nearly as um, can uptight, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, um, what is it where um, one of my friends was telling me that a lot of their listeners are in, was it the Netherlands? Um, and I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we, we should go there and see how open-minded they are. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe just interested in, you know, the, the, the information. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I do think to something you said earlier about the fluidity, I think that there is certainly a movement towards accepting people for who they are, right? And that conversation is on such a national s- scale now and how great that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does make you start to think that we'll start to move away from it being as stigmatized about anything I think it as is. as long as you're not hurting people you're respecting people like it's you know why wouldn't you be kind and loving absolutely well well polyamory is definitely becoming a buzzword like more and more people are talking about it I think one thing that really helps is when we see celebrities being open about their sexuality mm. and taking that on which I mean can you imagine all the press junkets they go through and the crazy questions they already get and now they've, they're open about their sex culture and they get even more of them um, so is, I think it was it Ezra Miller he was in the he was in those J.K. Rowling movies recently, um, and he was in this really amazing spread being uh, gender fluid uh, with Playboy, and he's polyamorous. Mm. Um, and so um, when you have, and then there's other celebrities too, um, Bella Thorne, I think, is polyamorous as well, but she she doesn't like to label it that, um, but open relationship sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, and there's other celebrities that are kind of under the radar, but are too. And when you have these public figures putting themselves out there, um, it really sets the example that it is okay mm-hmm. to be yourself. You know, it, I mean, you know, it, otherwise they'd be risking their career, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so I think that's uh, we'll we'll see more and more of that over time slowly, um, and and we just have a little bit more to work through. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll get there. Very cool. Yeah. Can you speak to like the customization of these kinds of relationships? I feel like it's almost like choosing from a menu. Like I want my partners to be involved. I want this. I want that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I want relationship hierarchy. I don't want relationship. I just feel like it's so customizable. It really is, <laughs> which is where <laughs> explaining it to people can really get confusing. Um, so relationship hierarchy is basically where you have a primary partner um, and then you'll have, uh, so people have like different stations kind of in the, you know, and level of, of what level they are in the mm-hmm. relationship. Number one, number two sort of thing. Um, so that's, so some people don't do relationship hierarchy. Some people do group and that's where everyone's on the same level. Mm-hmm. And there's even different terms for that. Um, and the terminology for polyamory seems to be changing every day I try to stay on top of it but it's always evolving Um, and then there's relationship anarchy which is its own thing too Um, so it seems like what uh, and then there's different times you there's all sorts of different ways that you could you could build your own polyamorous menu and it can get confusing for sure Um, and it's something that can change over time too so it's not necessarily you're not going to walk into a polyamorous relationship Mm -hmm. um, and then five years down the road is it going to be the same exact thing Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably going to change for sure Um, so it can get confusing and I think it's hard for people to wrap their minds around things we like to simplify things and just kind of keep it cut and dry um but i think that's actually part of the beauty of it Mm -hmm. um is that is that it gives you the freedom to make your connections more true to you Mm -hmm. to your partners 
as that changes over time, um, as you add maybe more people in. Uh, for some people, three three is the is the total number that works for them. For me, I'm more organic. I can, I can go in different number <laughs> combinations. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people, uh, for some singles, um, they prefer to just date couples. And I've definitely done that, and I, I enjoy that too. For some people, they like to be the V and have and be just the person in the, in the in the main focus of the relationship and be dating like maybe one or two other people. Mm. Um, sort of thing um, so it just it just really depends um, on what's right for you and you just really have to ask yourself those questions of what's right for me and then have those conversations with your partner of what works for all of us yeah yeah and I feel like more onto that <clears throat> it's like you don't even necessarily have to be intimate with all of them like say you're in a monogamous relationship and you just remember this person you used to like cuddle with and you guys were the best cuddlers mm-hmm. and being affectionate but you didn't ever have sex like in a monogamous relationship you wouldn't be allowed to just go cuddle with that person but mm-hmm. if you're polyamorous you could have like cuddle party uh mm-hmm. cuddle buddies you mm-hmm. could have sex with people you could do massages with people and like that's where it is and it doesn't have to be just sex either absolutely and that also comes into play with um, certain kinks like bdsm not everyone is into bdsm not everyone's into power play um it's one of my it's one of my kinks and and definitely it's come up in conversation where you know some people that's not their comfort level they don't like that so if i've got you know part partner these partners that don't like that and then i've got this other partner that does oh that's amazing and now i can have this fulfilled with somebody that i'm connected with and it's not right for the other, the other people they don't have to compromise they don't have to do something they're not comfortable with so yeah it opens so many doors for uh for different things for sure how do you manage those feelings if a partner isn't into the bdsm and you're getting that fulfilled elsewhere how do you manage their feelings of like not feeling good enough or adequate or being your everything oh i think that's just a matter of communication it's really important to pay attention to how people are feeling yeah. if they're if they're if there's something that's maybe missing in in in, in what i can communicate the time and attention maybe, maybe helping to broaden their understanding understanding where the difference is maybe they can actually uh, be part of a plural play experience where they're not participating in it but they ex- they experience it and they can see the difference for themselves mm-hmm. sort of thing what just working together um i, th- I think that um ignoring those conversations can breed resentment for sure but when we when we help work each, help each other work through it we can really help nurture each other um, into better understandings into 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 being comfortable with it and that does matter like when jealousy pops up um, is is okay what are the feelings underneath it because it's not just jealousy it's never just that surface mm-hmm. emotion of feeling jealous or feeling left out there's other things underneath it you have to dive deeper and deeper together into those layers and really mm-hmm. get to the heart of it yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think uh you have to be incredibly self-aware to be in these relationships. Mm-hmm. It would be it could be really easy to say that you want to be in them and then if you're thoughtless or you know you just kind of you like you you have to you have to be really careful who you choose to be in, which is probably again, you should be careful who you choose to be in partnerships with, but this seems like it would be really you know that right up front how deep the communication is and the understanding and um, transparency and expectations cuz mm-hmm. otherwise it could be really hurtful. Yeah. Are there like therapists yeah. who are polyamorous and like o- like to help, help these polyamorous people yeah, navigate? I was wondering that too. Yeah, so there's um, and that's something that's actually really important to pay attention to. Well, relationship counseling is healthy for any relationship, mm. absolutely. But certainly when you have complex relationships like being in the lifestyle or like being polyamorous, um, it's really really important I think to consider getting counseling okay. for sure. Um, so there are um, a lot of um, therapists out there that specialize in it and interviewing your therapist ahead of time, making mm. sure that they have experience with plural relationships 
relationships with open relationships mm-hmm. with sex subcultures um, is essential mm-hmm. make sure that they're the right kind of person to support you yeah well that's a relief that there's some people out there to go to <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> who aren't going to be like well maybe you should just try one partner <laughs> <laughs> clearly clearly you can't handle one so you should not be handling three i'll actually be adding a page to my website of recommended practitioners that i've interviewed personally that i know oh good wonderful. yeah well thanks paliana this was wonderful this was really really interesting a great way to kick off a relationship month so <laughs> well, i appreciate you being so open that's great thanks for having me absolutely all right all right thanks Bye. have a great week